Greetings, salutations, good evening, and welcome to another installment of the COVID Report, the show dedicated to providing you with comprehensive coverage of the coronavirus pandemic. I am your host, Ukamilisha Wagwapovana, here to give you the show that gives you all of the facts, all of the stats, all of the figures, and none of the misinformation as it pertains to all things COVID-19. This installment of the COVID Report is dedicated to exploring the work still ahead for us to do to encourage more South Africans to head to their nearest vaccination sites to vaccinate, considering that we are edging ever closer to the festive season with the looming threat of that fourth wave, the looming threat of our inability to hit our mark and our targets set as a country as far as how much of the population we are trying to get vaccinated by the end of the year 2021. Now, it's been almost six months since South Africa launched its COVID-19 vaccination program, and to date, more than 23.1 million South African people, including adolescents, have received at least one dose and close to 13 million people are fully vaccinated. South Africa's vaccination program is in a race against time with the fourth wave of COVID-19 infections expected to hit the country in December 2021 into January 2022, according to the Octorial Society of South Africa. Based on the group's analysis of the COVID-19 experiences in South Africa and several other countries at different stages of managing this pandemic, ASSA believes that there is sufficient evidence to suggest that a fourth wave is likely to emerge in December. Joining us to unpack this is Dr. Hongwana, who will be assuming the role of the Gauteng Department of Health spokesperson, and he joins us as a guest at this time on the COVID report. Doctor, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. There was an early prediction that was estimated on the arrival of the pandemic's fourth wave that that reality would be in December of this year. My question to you is, is the Department of Health prepared and um, adequately resourced for the advent of the fourth wave of COVID-19 should it arrive, seeing that it has been expected for the last few months? Um, uh, good evening, good evening. Um, thanks for the title, although I'm the acting DDG Hospital Services in the Department of Health. My apologies. Yeah. Um, yes, we... We are we are ready for the fourth wave because we have been engaging about it since the the end of the third wave because there have been predictions by modelers that there will be a third wave in scientists in, I mean a fourth wave in December or early January. So currently we have four thousand four hundred and seven beds that we we had used at the peak of the third wave. And we've made a decision that these are the resources. These are functional beds. They have human resources. They have consumables to combat the, the fourth wave. We have a cohort of about 6,000 uh, healthcare workers that have been employed specifically for, for COVID. And we are continuing to add on that number in preparation of the fourth wave. Uh, we, we continue to monitor our bed availability using a dashboard that we, uh, as the Department of Health, innovated last year. And we're still continuing to use it to monitor. We haven't stopped to monitor the activities of the uh, admissions for COVID-19 patients and PUIs. We have continued every two weeks to monitor the security of oxygen supply in Houten, and we have the security of oxygen. 
And um, yeah, we have continued with, with activities of monitoring COVID-19, which are the resources that we'll be taking into the forefront. But remember, um, nobody is an expert of how it's actually going to behave when we hit it or when it hits us. But we we as ready as we, we can be. Now, Doctor, as it pertains to the matter of addressing the degree of vaccine hesitancy that still exists and permeates throughout South African society, in particular amongst the residents of uh, Gauteng, being that this province is, is viewed by many as the economic hub of South Africa, can you talk me through the plans that the Department of Health is putting in place to address this vaccine hesitancy, to um, raise more awareness about uh, the vaccine to encourage more people to re- to visit their nearest vaccine um, station to get themselves vaccinated. Yeah, before I I venture to respond to you, I I hope you will invite Dr. Chikovu, who is our lead in the vaccination program, and so we think we more than expect than myself. But remember, we had what they call the Guma weekend, uh, which intended to uh, ensure that there's a huge uptake. There's what we call pop up. And in collaboration with you know with partners in the private sector and and retailers, so and, and I mean so that's that's what we have been doing, um, and we will continue to do that. You are aware that vaccine hesitancy is not unique to South Africa; it is an international challenge. Um, but we will have to continue to work on that, uh, given what scares our populations and our communities on social media and so on. Uh, but we are continuing, and, and I'm glad that I, I had your your advert on uh, a VOW radio that encourages our population to vaccinate. And over and about the vaccination, of course, we have to continue to be vigilant and non-complacent. Um, your NPI uh, mask, social distancing, you know, wash your hands with soap and clean water, sanitize, um, ventilation, wherever you are, avoid unnecessary crowds. So it is a continuum of uh, um, vaccination encouragement to our population, to our people, to our community, to our friends and relatives. And they tell you also excited that there's this long-term phase two that gives a booster, booster dose to the healthcare workers that received the the, the Johnson and Johnson during the Sonke one. Now we've got the second Sonke, and there's discussions around the booster dose for the Pfizer one. So it, it is continuous work, it is continuous improvement. We cannot give up, we cannot spend. we will have to continue to engage. There are media reports all the time to enhance um, the the notion from our community to travel on the M1, you see billboards that have also been collaborated with within the Department of Health to encourage uh, our you know our relatives and friends, neighbors, communities. All right. Um, just really quickly before I um, address my third question towards you, Doctor, if I could kindly ask you to 
slightly move your mouth away from the uh, receiver of the device you're using to communicate with us just so that we can hear you a lot clearly and um, as you go about doing that i think i can hear you a lot better now um well proceed with my next uh question can you talk me through the strategies that the department of health has put in place and adopted to try and ensure that the vaccination program is sustained and remains sustainable and could you also talk me through the need and whether or not the department of health recognizes any kind of need for small guaranteed rewards or any kind of incentives for um vaccinated um people and those who um who, who, who wish to visit their vaccination sites um, to be a part of uh, the population that is vaccinated. Have they, con- have they taken into consideration any kind of incentives to encourage people to go and get vaccinated? And how do the Department of Health plan to implement these strategies? Um, let me tell you the incentives. I think the incentives we we would not really be having a budget for the incentives, but we are aware that there have been partners that have come up with ideas of of incentives. You've, you've had of uh, companies that will give you a voucher or this or that to incentivize you. Um, our concentration as a Department of Health, is, it is our duty. It is our duty, it's our mandate as a Department of Health to provide vaccination for our community. It is our work. So the message that we will send to our communities is please vaccinate. We are here. We are trained. Uh, we have the resources that are supplied by government and partners and supported by, for example, the Solidarity Fund on some, some level. Uh, to say, uh, say, dear madam, dear friend, please come and be vaccinated. But we would support invariably uh, all those other efforts that are done by uh, members of the community, business, uh, NGOs, or benevolent, you know, uh, citizens to incentivize our population, our communities, our friends and relatives to vaccinate. But we would not really budget for incentives because we need that budget to make sure that we fund the uh, the vaccination. In we we have a team that monitors vaccination daily on the EVDS to see how many vaccines have been uh, administered uh, to discuss challenges, other transportations, other the cold chain. Uh, pop-up sites, collaboration with partners, with business, with benevolent citizens of our country. So that's what we have. That the, 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 the attitude is not to give up, to remain focused, to remain determined, and to remain committed to making sure that those vaccines are administered to our population. All right. Now, Doctor, when the third wave hit South African in had hit South Africa in June, hospitals ran out of beds, and we witnessed um, various health facilities running short of staff. Can you talk me through the ways in which the Department of Health has put strategies in place to prevent this happening should the fourth wave arrive? I know you touched on it briefly at the top of our discussion, but I would like for you to expound a bit on the plans that the Department of Health has put in place to make sure that this fourth wave, should it arrive, does not hit the front line as ferociously as the third wave hit it? Um, I think the issue that we ran out of bed 
it's, it's a misnomer. Um, it's a misnomer based on the experiences of congestions that people experience in accident and emergencies. Remember, with COVID, our triage system is more enhanced than our triage system before COVID. Uh, and when individuals come into the hospital, you don't want to mix COVID positive patients with non-COVID patients. So it is it it. It did create a lot of congestions in our emergencies. It did create a lot of, you know, discomfort, and that is why it was interpreted as that we ran out, we ran out of beds. We, we never ran out of beds. We, you, you know, when you deal with the, you know, the force of, of the third way, which we do not expect that it would be so harsh. Um, that is why our prayers is that the fourth the fourth wave should not be. But we have got what we call a, a, a risk-adjusted demand-informed strategy, which is based on clinical risk management and clinical decisions. So for us to, to go up to 4,407 uh, beds, uh, because we started at a of about 2,000 when the, when, the, when the wave began, but that would increase the number of beds as the demand comes. Because remember, housing health has got about 18,000 beds. And out of the 18,000 beds, we have 4,407 currently dedicated for COVID because we are not the Department of COVID, the Department of Health. We still have to do other activities. But when, when the, the wave hits you very hard, you defer some of the operations, you defer some of the activities, you reduce the visitations, and invariably it creates a lot of congestion in your own emergency. And you, you start having a, a huge challenge. Of course, we don't have uh, as many uh, 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 ICU beds in the public sector compared to the private sector. But we have established a number of beds that have got ICU and high care capacity in what we call alternative building technology facilities. In, in Kirkrizani Bara, we have about 400 beds that are functionalized. But you, you, you always respond according to the patient that is in front of you. Yes, we are aware of the frustration that created and the discomfort that it created, um, but we cannot allow that to make us panic beyond recognition. We cannot allow that to make us despair. We are still, you know, sure at the moment that we are ready for the fourth wave. We cannot confirm how it's going to behave. There is some prediction that you will be less than the, than the third wave, which is wonderful. But despite this wonderful information from the scientists and models, the, uh, the fourth wave, the same strategy, it will be risk-adjusted, demand-informed. And it will be clinically based on decisions, and it will be the management of risk in terms of healthcare and clinical governance. It's not easy. It has never been easy, it will never be easy, but we are committed as a cohort because it's our job, it's our duty, it's what we pay for, what we are mandated to preserve the health of our community.
And I guess to that end then, Doctor, to conclude our discussion, considering everything that we already know about mm. this vaccine in terms of its um, its varying levels of efficacy in terms of um, how, it, how much it will protect um, us against this virus, considering everything we know about how many South Africans have been fully vaccinated, I did mention that the number currently stands at over 13 million fully vaccinated South Africans, more than 23.1 million um, people. People, including as the adolescents have have received at least one dose of the COVID nineteen vaccine in preparation of this fourth wave of the arrival of this fourth wave and with the advent of what I'm sure is going to be the um, conversations surrounding uh, surrounding the um, lifting of or, or, or should I say the increasing of lockdown levels how will um, from a medical perspective how will the portion of the South African population that has been vaccinated be factored into these decisions that are made as far as what level of lockdown we will need to rise to in order to combat this fourth wave as and when slash if it arrives and how will how will this um this decision be taken as far as taking into account the 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 still very um present degree of vaccine hesitancy in South Africa specifically and the 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 the, the more than a likely negative response that rising lockdown levels will be received with. So um, please talk me through for, at least from a very medical perspective because I am aware of the fact that these lockdown, um, these restriction uh, rising conversations are conversations that have to be have had to have to be had from a leadership perspective. Government has to be involved, but the medical opinion also has to be factored in. So, can you talk me through, at the very least, from a medical perspective, how this part of the fight against this pandemic will be navigated? Um, it's a very difficult question that you've asked. Um, but remember, the International Corona Command Council that makes the decision, the family meeting with the presidency that makes the decisions on the lockdown. It's a contested space. Um, and the economic imperatives, the social imperatives, tourism imperatives, and so on and so forth. Um, however, you know, we, we, from the health perspective, we see the lockdown as a major attempt to reduce transmission, to reduce uh, unnecessary trauma uh, in our communities. Uh, we see that as a way of being more focused on dealing with the pandemic. But like I indicated, it's, a, it's not an easy space. You still have economic um, you know, imperatives that are there. So one will always depend on the National Corona Command Council that led the presidency to make those final decisions that uh, we have experienced that the, the, the lockdowns, uh, the heavy ones, they, they assist in, in the reduction of unnecessary admissions, you know, and the vaccines we know, they reduce hospitalizations and also uh, reduce the mortality, they reduce deaths. So they try to encourage our communities to please continue to vaccinate and uh, keep to the NPIs, uh, social distance, don't have unnecessary trips or congestions and so on. And we're very un, 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 uncomfortable with the, with the waves, but we can't run away. We have to face it and do the best that we can to protect and to save the lives of our communities. So your question is not an easy one, but I hope I've been able to make an attempt to respond. 
And I appreciate the attempt. Thank you very much. Dr. Kongwana, um, representing the Gauteng Department of Health, talking to us here on the COVID report about the Department of Health's readiness to tackle the fourth wave if slash when it arrives. It is slated and predicted to hit the country in December of 2021 into January 2022. And Dr. Kongwana was talking us through the plans that have been put in place to help us combat this fourth wave with the advent of the COVID-19 vaccine considered in the efforts that have been put in place. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the insight that you have given us into the Gauteng Department of Health's plans. And um, I personally hope that the situation is a little more palatable um, if and when it hits our shores in uh, December of this year. So uh, again, thank you so much for your time, Doctor. Thank you very much. We keep the hope. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams via www.varfm.co.za.